This episode is sponsored by Code Chrysalis, Tokyo's number one coding bootcamp. See what a Code Chrysalis education can do for your future. Change your life and learn how to code. All right, welcome to another episode of Tokyo Speaks. This is episode 96. All right, um, if you're new to the podcast, um, I'm the host, Cliff. Been doing this podcast for three years now. Originally uh, started out under the name of Roar Urban Mobile Podcast. And then after about two years or so, I rebranded the podcast to Tokyo Speaks. You know, because I wanted the podcast, I wanted the name to speak more to what this podcast is about. And it's it's about a lot of people. It's about different voices. It's about a community. It's about a lot of people doing really cool and awesome things. And our guest today is doing a great job. Uh, I've known him for some time now. And... I'm going to let him introduce himself right now. Thanks, Chance, for having me. It's been a while. We've been talking about this for a while now. So yes. I'm really, really excited to be here mm. and to talk to you. Mm. Yeah, my name is Kani. Um, I run a small coding school in Tokyo called, called Chrysalis. Yes. All right. So, like he said, we, we've known each other for some time now. And uh, shout out to Yan Fan, who's the co-founder of Code Chrysalis. All right. Where, uh, where did you grow up? Um, growing up, I... Actually, I was born in Tokyo. Uh, okay. I'm half my mother's Japanese, my father's Sri Lankan. Uh, but as soon as I was born, my parents decided to move back to Sri Lanka and, and, and have us grow there. So I spent my life until high school in Sri Lanka. I grew up over there. And then, um, yeah, that's kind of where my childhood is. Uh, after that, decided, you know, want to learn, study a bit more, want to do robotics, where should I go? Um, it was like either, this was the 90s. Oh, 90s. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And it was either the US or Japan. And I, I I felt like both countries were neck to neck in terms of how advanced they were in this field. Um, but my brother had already left the country for the US. He was studying in the US and I wasn't going to follow his footsteps. So I had <laughs> to be different. So mm-hmm. I decided to come to Japan and I uh, studied here for four years in college and worked for four years, and then moved on to the U.S., which was supposed to be a two-year stint, and I was there till 2017. So um, I'm, by now, I've lived one-third of my life in Sri Lanka, Japan, and, and the U.S. Wow. Yeah. Which which one do you like best? Um, yeah, that's something Hard. I struggle with. <laughs> yeah, uh, People ask me where I'm from, and yeah. I tell them I'm from the future. <laughs> uh, joking aside, very hard to answer that question yes. these days. I, I find like um, all those three places are home. Mm. And uh, interestingly, uh, Sri Lanka and Japan, where I have a connection to the most, mm. uh, 
I'm not accepted as a Japanese or back yeah. in Sri Lanka mm. uh, as a Sri Lankan. So uh, I'm I'm most comfortable in a way in the States. Wow. Uh, yeah. So it's because of the whole like biracial factor. Uh, I guess I guess in Japan I don't look Japanese enough for them okay. to identify myself as Japan being mm. being Japanese. Mm. And in Sri Lanka, I'm not exactly there as a Sri Lankan either. Mm. So and 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 I guess in this part of Asia, we're still very um, we we decide pretty quickly by by the way we look. Mm. Yeah. Uh, whereas yeah. in the states, you know, <laughs> yeah. we are a melting pot. Yeah, it's a melting pot, <laughs> and, right? <laughs> and you know, it doesn't matter who yeah. you are. That is, you know, the beauty about the States, you know. Yes, okay, so you came here for college, and what did you study? Uh, I studied robotics. Robotics. Mobile robotics specifically, yeah. Oh, and how was, how was, like, where did the interest come with that? Yeah, I I think as far as I can remember, I like tinkering with things, you mm. know, taking things apart, <laughs> not being able to put them back. Ah, okay. Uh, but just wanting to see how things work and, and, uh, and so... When I when I finished high school, I was like, "What what do I want to do?" And uh, mechanical engineering is something I really like, mm. but I wanted to kind of also get in touch with the electronics side and how all of the mechanics and the electronics are now then kind of programmed with the language mm. Um, mm. and have a microcontroller kind of processor kind of control the and the the uh, uh, it's called mechatronics, but okay. kind of get into that field. So that's what I thought uh, maybe Japan might be good because Japan had Ashimo then, the Honda robot, yes. the two, two-legged robot by Honda who was running around and doing its thing. And uh, U.S. was in that sense quite behind. Mm. And then you moved to the States. Uh, then after graduation, uh, I, I actually worked here for another oh. four years okay. before I got the opportunity to move to Boston okay. and spent uh, almost 10 years in Boston before I moved to San Francisco and San Francisco back here. Wow. And that's where you met Yan, right, in San Francisco? Yes. Uh, when I decided uh, I wanted to start this small project uh, of a school, um, Someone, mu- someone who's mutual a friend of ours, introduced me to Yan, saying, "Hey, I know someone who's already a CTO of a coding bootcamp," uh, and I'm like, "Please introduce me." Yeah, and, you know, with, with, I have so many questions because I hadn't done that before. Uh-huh. Uh, so we met and uh, we had a, a couple of discussions about my vision and what Code Chrysalis would be. Um, and and from the get go, she was uh, she had a lot of uh, advice and and uh, ideas and uh, so I so we kept on meeting and talking about this project mm-hmm. and at some point I asked, would you like to join this project? <laughs> and um, and I think uh, initially she was a bit skeptical of uh, Japan yeah, as a location. Japan, yeah, yeah. Um, she was ready to come to Japan, but I think she was a bit skeptical about the business opportunity. Mm. And so. So I said, let's go for a business trip and let's check it out there and 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 check and see what's on the ground. Yeah. And during that trip, we got a chance to um, meet a lot of entrepreneurs, and and see what the startup ecosystem looked like. And I think uh, she was surprised at 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 how much was going on on the ground uh, compared to what the Japan she knew from her you know travels before. And so I think that really convinced uh, her that yeah, it might be a great opportunity to start this here. Wow. I had I had Yan on a while back, but I don't, uh, we didn't get into the details of how you met. And yeah, okay, cool, cool. So came here, got on the ground, see what was going on, 
and um, and then you decided to start Cold Chrysalis here. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we did our trips. We had uh, we had a few workshops. Um, it was really interesting. We would set up set up the workshops from from while we were in San Francisco and come here just to execute them. Okay. And honestly, uh, the first workshop we did, uh, we were planning for about you know twenty twenty five people. Uh, Yan was going to be the instructor, uh, and we I had another friend of mine who was going to help as a TA, and we had about three times that amount signed up. Mm. I panicked. I called a friend of mine, said, hey, can you get on a plane and come? We need one more instructor. <laughs> and he was kind enough to do so. We did the workshop. And once we were done, we were like, all right, this is this is proof enough yeah. that, that there is something here. And what we are doing is uh, there's a need for it. Yeah, that's where uh, I was going. Obviously, yeah. there was a need. And yeah, I mean, honestly, if that, if that hadn't happened, I sometimes wonder mm. if we would have had the confidence to, you know, push through with the idea and go through with it all. Uh, but that that uh, one event kind of really uh, set the tone for the and the momentum for Code Chrysalis. Yeah. Wow. So you know, you said you know, talk about the the need for uh, a coding bootcamp here. Sure. Um, one of the reasons we are doing this in Japan is because we see. Uh, that need, and and it is true that anywhere anywhere in the world today there is a, a dearth of uh, engineers that are needed to f- uh, by companies to do the things that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also saw that uh, Japan somehow missed the opportunity uh, to embrace software as a differentiator in in the products that they were building. So they. I think Japan had the potential of being the next Silicon Valley uh, way early on in the 80s, uh, but they decided to double down on hardware. hardware. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it's something that they do so well too. Monozukuri spirit is in everyone, and and the products that are that they build are second to none. Mm. Maybe next to the Germans or, or you know along yes. with the Germans, but um, but they didn't see the opportunity that software brought, uh, and. And software is not something that just automates some things or makes something more efficient. It's much more than that. You can leverage to continuously add value to your product mm. and and disrupt uh, existing um, products and business models. And 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 kind of they took they got late to kind of ride this wave. When when software engineering is done, they're also doing it in a very um, what we call very waterfall ways, where a lot of planning is done uh, uh, ahead of time mm-hmm. without much user input, and it takes a long time to build the first pr- uh, prototype. Okay. And the chances are, by the time the world moves so fast these days, yes. by the time that product's out, probably no one wants to use it. So they have to be very much more agile than than how they're used to building software. So putting all those things together. Uh, the fact that Japan needs more engineers, uh, they need to build things faster, and they need to also embrace new technology and platforms and uh, languages and frameworks um, were all kind of an opportunity that we saw. Um, and that was on the that's on the business side, but yeah. but we also saw the opportunity of once in a lifetime opportunity, and I, I mean it's very rare to come across this kind of opportunity, but. We realize what we are doing is we are helping an industry, you know, boom back to where it was. We are helping a country 
um, reposition itself as the technology leader of the world. Uh, mm. I mean, I, I know I get passionate about this topic. Oh, and it's I great. Get, <laughs> I, I, I just keep talking, man. I love it. Uh, I love the passion. But we saw that that you know, no matter how small our contribution is, we felt like we are also going to be helping Japan in that direction and, and helping them get there. And that's just something that is not just uh, monetary, right? It's not just mm. making money. Yeah. Uh, that also gives us a lot of satisfaction. And, and that's one of the biggest uh, missions of ours to create Jap- engineering leaders in Japan who can kind of take, take it and make the next uh, big, uh, get it back on the technology track, yeah. You know, you know, attending the events that you guys have, um, just being around, just being in that environment that you guys have um, set, right? And I, I really love it. So, you know, I, I know you're passionate. I mean, I remember I went to an event and you spoke and, yeah, it's like you almost teared up, man, because you're just <laughs> so passionate about what you're providing to the community. And, you know, Tokyo Speaks is all about that. I, I, I like to capture these stories where, you know, people are contributing. It never gets old. In fact, today was one of, uh, today was the graduation of CC16, our 16th English cohort, Mm -hmm. and CCJ3, our third Japanese cohort. Mm. And it never gets old. I I felt um, overwhelming kind of um, happiness seeing these students kind of graduate and and move on um, because, we we kind of I know it's a bit corny, but it, at school we say we are uh, our mission is to create or enable the students' dreams, right? Yeah. We just happen to do that by teaching them how to code, but our mission, our goal is to kind of make their dreams come true or get them closer towards their dreams. And and I see these students who joined us after putting a lot of work in because you have to test in to get in, mm. and and then they toil through these you know three months yeah uh, there's ups and downs and a lot of hurdles that they have to overcome um we we mix uh, english cohort and the japanese cohort in the final uh, three weeks to do a project together mm. they have to c- overcome the language barrier and maybe some cultural barriers but they come together to build these applications on the last day that are almost stock applications that you would use as a user straight from you know the apple store or something yeah and and just to see that transformation, mm. you know, is I think what makes uh, both Yan and me excited about what we do, mm. and it's it's what has it's it is what kind of keeps us um, waking up every day towards this towards what we do. Because if it was just about a business, I think both Yan and me would have been out of Japan <laughs> by now because it's not easy doing a startup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, can you talk about some of the challenges of of starting up? Sure. I mean. You know, there was a challenge of it's it's challenging to do a startup period, and yes. now now multiply that by you know coming to Japan yeah, and having yeah. to figure out how to do one here. Um, so, uh, but 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 the cool thing about both Yan and how we looked at or we still look at stuff is uh, we just don't feel like we have the answers to our problems uh, uh, day one, but we still will go that path and yeah. challenge ourselves and and figure out how to solve the problems that we encounter. So yeah, we've hit, in, we've hit a couple of walls. So in, from the get-go, like, how do you start a company in Japan? You yeah. Know, we were yeah. in the US. 
we had no connections here. Um, but the thing is, okay, you research, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you obviously. find a few people. Actually, I, a lot of friends, uh, Japanese friends in in San Francisco, connected us with other people. Those people connected us with other people, or pointed out to you know uh, organizations who can help us out. Mm. And it was just you know feeling yourself like feeling your path in in the dark, so mm. to speak, and and kind of finding the path. And 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 to this day, I feel like that's kind of how we are. Yeah, been running things and doing things. Um, Is there anything like uh like really like unique to Japan? You think as far as like challenges? Yes. So, I mean, obviously the language. Yeah, right, I think when it comes to um, kind of creating a product and marketing mar- marketing it here in Japan, um, the the early uh, adopters and and the pioneers who would take something and try it and kind of run with it us. Uh, there's not many of them, uh, especially on the enterprise side. Japan has a business model where uh, something needs to be introduced by someone they know uh, or yes. you uh, need someone else to open a door for you. We are still a small startup, so it's like, uh, you know, people need that kind of one cushion in between uh, that, that they can trust yeah. and, and kind of, you know, that, That's work what I've with. heard, the, the trust, building up relationships and stuff yeah. like that here so, is really important that i think is very unique i think it might be a thing in asia not just japan but Mm. where you have to have a lot of networks and connections Mm. um but but we've had companies large companies uh, like ntt data and curry who have reached out to us just because after hearing what we do and then we've had conversations with them and we've ended up doing some training for them corporate training for them so it's not that uh, Japan's changing in that sense. Uh, I think to to uh, to kind of have a conversation with a much larger traditional old Japanese company, it's going to be harder for us to do without that you know introduction. But for the most part, I think people are starting to recognize you know um, products, good products of what they are, and they are also exploring uh, you know ways to do things differently. Yeah. Now you 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 kind of talked about this already, but I want to take a step back here and just kind of take us through um, the process of, of getting into Cold Crystallis. So before that, I wanted to ask you, what kind of uh, people are, are inter- interested in Cold Crystallis? Like what career backgrounds do they have? Sure. Um, a good number of the students who join our immersive program do so to change their careers. So they come, they are... Uh, English teachers to, uh, you know, program managers. Um, uh, some are even engineers who want to, you know, upskill themselves. Uh, but about a good 60% of our student base are n- non-technical mm. before joining. Okay. Um, and, and they are um, at, a, at a crossroad with their career where they're thinking maybe I want to switch and do something else. Uh, so that's kind of the... Um, big group of people that we see. And uh, and yeah, one thing that they all have in common is they have a, a, a strong will to invest in themselves mm. and to, to, to achieve this um, goal that they are kind of, you know, uh, shooting for. So you have a, an admission process and what is that? You just submit an application 
Yeah, uh, it's basically it's a, a simple ab- application online, mm-hmm. and once you sign up there, we will send you an email giving you a link to set up an interview, and we call it a technical check-in. Okay, uh, it is not a test, so please don't feel intimidated. Uh, you will be paired with an instructor who will go and uh, will interview you and ask you quick questions. You know, figure out where you're at. Okay. You may have you may have some experience already because you've been dabbling on it on your own, or you may have done something in in college or school. Uh, so we we'll, we will look where you're at and and if and and look at that gap mm-hmm. uh, and kind of advise you on how to fill that gap. Uh, we also have a program called Foundations, which is for absolute beginners. And if we find people who are beginners who want a more structured way of uh, learning how to code, then we would also suggest them to, you know, consider the foundations program. But uh, yeah, we 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 give those options to you to figure out how to uh, what you sh- what should your next step be. So it's foundations, foundations light, right? You also yes. have foundations light, and then there's the actual twelve week coding immersive bootcamp. bootcamp, immersive yeah. bootcamp. Correct. Okay, cool. All right, and um, and so they have to pass this interview. Um, what what are some of the things? that they must know during the interview to pass? Uh, good question. Yeah. Uh, Jan actually wrote a real nice how to get into code Christmas blog mm-hmm. post. Mm-hmm. I'll send you the link. You could share yeah. it on your on your uh, channel. Um, but one of the things that we look for uh, is your aptitude for asking good questions. Okay. So when, when, the, when you're doing this technical check-in with our instructors, remember that you don't have to always have the right answer. As an engineer, it's going to be the case where you almost always don't have the answers to your problems first time. Mm. And it's your job to figure out what, how to solve these or how to hack uh, these problems. So we, uh, uh, we very much look for what kind of questions you'll ask when you mm. get stuck. Uh, how do you react to a problem, uh, do you panic and like, you know, freeze? Or do you go like, oh my God, this is an awesome question, problem. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and ask more questions about it, right? Mm. So so we definitely look at your, um, we call them success skills now, not soft skills. We felt like soft skills was, uh, uh, doesn't, do, doesn't do justice to really? all those skills that you really need to succeed. So we relabeled them called success skills, but the communication skills, the growth mindset, mm-hmm. uh, the ability to, you know, you know, be, have, have the empathy to kind of give feedback and receive feedback. These kind of skills are also things that we kind of look for during the admissions process. Yeah. Yeah. And, and basically a program is a set of instructions to a machine. Mm. Um, and we will need more and more people to instruct machines to do the things that we do. So this is why uh, in, in having a background in engineer, software engineering, mm. even if you're, that's not your profession, just to uh, and have a good literacy and understanding will give anybody in any job a good um, um edge over the others or your competition. That, 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 that's a great point. Um, do you have students who uh, come here just to get an edge mm-hmm. and, and maybe not necessarily want to be a full-time yes. engineer? But yep. We okay. have a lot of uh, product managers, program managers who have to work with engineers okay. come and take our programs. So they, the, the 12 weeks boot camp gets you to a level where you can on your own create these products, but they do it to have that level of literacy. I mean, I call it literacy, but it's actually a bit more than that. It's pretty deep, but but this allows them to do their job more efficiently and, and have a better impact uh, and, and add more 
value to the company and the products that they're working with. Uh, and also call the bullshit off from the uh, from with the engineers, right? If you, <laughs> if you tell me it's going to take 10 days and I know exactly that it's not going to take 10 years, <laughs> I mean, that's an awesome situation to be in. Yeah, and, right? I think, uh, and I think a program like ours, you know, pays off in those instances. Yeah. Mm, cool. So talk about uh, some of these special programs you have. Um, I, I was just... I think it was a couple months ago I saw you guys posted about something called the Butterfly Fund. What, okay. what is that exactly? Yeah, the Butterfly Fund. So one, uh, we have three missions we say at Code Chrysalis. The first one is to create these software engineering leaders for Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, but the second one is uh, to increase more women in, in STEM-related you know, uh, professions in Japan. We realized even, I mean, compar- comparing Japan to the other parts of the world, there's very, very little... Um, Fewer engineers in tech roles, uh, women in tech roles. So mm. Yan has been working tirelessly even in the U.S. and now we are kind of continuing that work here. And um, you guys just uh, recently got it up to fifty. You had a class that yes, was fifty percent. Uh, all, all that hard work has uh, not always, but we've had we've had cohorts that are fifty percent or more women. Wow! And that's something that you don't even hear in the U.S. for a software engineering bootcamp. Wow. So that we are very proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, but any, uh, but in, yeah, on, on that note of like, you know, have, wanting to increase more women in tech space, uh, we wanted to focus, we didn't want to kind of go so broad. Of course, our mission is to bring a lot of women into tech, but we wanted to see how can we um, make better impact, stronger impact in, in one area. And, and that was... We, we saw the statistics for single mothers working. Uh, the 80% of Japanese single mothers are working, but they're still under the poverty line. About 56%, I believe, is under the poverty line. That's just unheard of anywhere yeah. else and should not be the stat for Japan. So we we said, let's focus there and create a fund where, um, you know, single, we'll be, where we will offer uh, full foundation, uh, full sorry, um, scholarships mm-hmm. to single mothers who want to learn how to code. Um, so that's that's the butterfly fund, butterfly butterfly fund. Okay. And um, yeah, people have been very generous. We've already uh, uh, got about five or six uh, single moms apply, and wow. out of which about five five we are going to now do full scholarships. So it's been awesome. And these are Japanese women, uh, and both Japanese and uh, foreigners Foreign in Japan. Okay. Yeah. Wow, yeah, that's that's a beautiful thing, and I and I see you you have some new um, art painted up in, in, on the walls yes. in Code Chrysalis. Yes, you worked with uh, one of my favorite artists here. Uh, what's, uh, what's his name? Um, Daniel, no Shibuya San. Yeah, Shibuya San. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. I saw that, I was like, I, I knew it was his work. I was like, oh, that's that's definitely Shibuya San. Yeah, yeah. I went to one of his uh, exhibits a while back. Recently, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh, this was just before the pandemic mm. when we decided, you know, we had white walls, we are in a basement mm. and uh, it looked very clinical almost and we wanted <laughs> some color to pop yeah. and make it a bit more energetic. So we worked with Tokyo Dex uh, and, and he brought uh, Shibuya-san and Moto-san together to collaborate ah, on this. Okay. Um, and boom, we, the you know, pandemic hit and, and yeah. just, just before we did the work, and I, I had to make a decision: do we, do we paint these walls, and to into a school that there's nobody, <laughs> or do we kind of you know put this on hold? Mm-mm. And um, and we decided that we are totally 
wanting to invest in our future mm. and this business and we wanted to be bullish about where we are headed and we just went ahead and did it and we are so glad we did yeah one of the things i've i've been hearing about like um i, know, I guess like when you're on the internet and you're trying to learn about coding is um you know sometimes you you see these youtubers that do um these uh they talk about coding boot camps and the value of them and you know some people feel like they can learn on their own which there are a lot of websites out there that can get you started but what what do you feel like is the the benefit the value of actually going to a school versus learning on your own sure like anything else you could totally learn it on your own mm-hmm. you know uh if you're the kind who uh who's disciplined and and kind of keeps going back to it and and kind of create a structured way to keep challenging yourself and more importantly kind of pushing yourself over the edge as you get comfortable if you're able to do that i mean there's like you said so much out there mm. uh in the internet that you can leverage to learn mm. but that also becomes a problem there's so much out there yes. and you don't know where to start and and you might start something you might think you understand it but when you try to write code you can't mm. um especially as danger in just looking at uh, tutorials or or watching youtube because you feel you like you got it but then when you try to write it yeah it's, uh, another, it's another story and we we say that reading code and writing writing code are two different things you can get you can start reading code pretty fast mm. but it's not true for coding you have to write mm-hmm. um So uh the benefit of going to a more structured program like a uh, boot camp is I mean it's designed its mission is it's designed to take you in a very short period of time through the fundamentals and give you a good foundation that you can now build a career on uh and it it unlike even a, a CS degree mm-hmm. it also thinks about the tools that are used today in companies the modern methods of how software is built mm. the practices um uh and and all of this is kind of incorporated in this program so yes you learn the hard skills of technology to be able to um you know build applications on your own but you also learn what i what i mentioned previously as a success, success skills, skills yeah. right things that you definitely will need to succeed as an engineer and and third one is the 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 software uh m- um the methods and practices to be- best practices to build software uh things like pair programming and and you know continuous integration and and being just agile and being a, building an mvp kind of minimum viable product first mm. and then iterating uh through iterations adding features and functionality these kinds of things are, are not necessarily taught at universities so it's really a, a, a awesome way to um and it's not for everybody because not everybody likes to be in a in in a such a pressured environment for 3 months and do so much work mm. at that pace yeah so uh and that's what the uh, admissions process is for too we we try to see if you will be a good fit mm. uh it's it's not to if you don't get in it's not to mean that you know you couldn't make it it's just that your learning style may not be best suited for this because it takes uh a lot of grit and a lot of hard work commitment and, and commitment uh and a lot of support from your surroundings yes, too from your family uh, family friends yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Because they uh, won't see you for about three months, right? Yeah, you, <laughs> just... you are probably not going to see them for three months. You know? <laughs> I wouldn't lie. <laughs> and they, yeah, and they, your wife has to understand that, right? Yes. You know? I remember I, I took a similar boot camp in, in, the, in, in San Francisco. Uh, and it was Monday through Saturday. So it was even more intense than Code Chrysalis. And on the first Sunday, first Sunday I was doing homework and my wife asked me if we could go to Costco and I looked at her as if like uh, she had two heads. I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean Costco? And, and But we had a disconnect. She's like, oh, I thought it was seven days a week. I mean, sorry, six days a week. And I'm like, yeah, but I have homework. And, <laughs> and that's when I also realized it's going to be this three months is just gone. I mean, she'll yeah. have to be very understanding and supportive for, for this to work. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a good way to... Um, gain a new uh, prof- professional skill pretty mm. fast. Yeah. Um, but you definitely want to weigh in and see if, if, it's, if it's your style. Mm. Yeah. What, uh, what's the difference or similarities with your, your bootcamp in like Silicon Valley? Is it pretty much the same or is it some small differences? Um, most bootcamps are similar in that they teach software engineering mm-hmm. by teaching you how to build web applications. Uh, so uh, in that sense, uh, more, I think we are very, very similar. Okay. I think what, what differentiates us from most of the bootcamps out there is there's not a bootcamp that has or that says that they will focus on success skills. Uh, okay. as well as part of the curriculum. Mm. And there are some students who come to us uh, and they're like, I don't care about your success skills. I am a, I, I can publicly speak well. I am a great communicator. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't need you to teach me this thing. I just want you to teach me how to code. Mm. And we honestly say then maybe there's another boot camp for you because our program has all of that built in. Uh, so that is the primary difference. Uh, no school will uh, say that they focus on these things. So, whereas we are saying we want to create software engineer leaders who can be the next CTOs and CIOs and CEOs of, of uh, in a tech tech industry. Uh, the other part is uh, the uh, how you build these applications. We put a lot of focus on both understanding product management um, and 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 being a product designer mm. and how these three things come together, engineering, product management, and uh, product design, and also uh, working with the business side. So how how do you have a lean startup mentality as you build applications? If you are an engineer who's only changing the color or, or, or creating this feature that you asked to create, then there's so much that you can add in terms of value to a company. The reason why Silicon Valley engineers are paid that much is because most of them are kind of trained to or are able to add business value. They can also think about, even if they were asked to do something, they can question and ask, say, hey, isn't this better? Or, mm-hmm. or this is better. Or, or uh, a famous uh, example I give is that um, tool on, cal- on on Google Calendar where you can book the... Um, put in the Google Meet uh, into yeah. the calendar was actually a hack that an engineer did because he was so tired of creating the <laughs> Google Meet you know, first and then bringing the link and putting it there, right? Ah, so okay. uh, things like this, engineers can add so much value to a product. And and I think we are also focused on having them realize that and, and, and be this kind of engineer to the next company that they join. Yeah. Wow, wow. After the boot camp, um, talk about the the realities of finding work as mm-hmm. a software engineer yeah. in Japan. Sure. Um, COVID 
has definitely made an impact to hiring. That we, if you ask any recruiter right now in Japan, uh, they would say that things have slowed down. Uh, one of the i- industries that are less impacted is is uh, tech and mm. IT. So we are we are lucky to be in this situation. And so far, uh, out of our graduating uh, classes, we haven't seen a huge impact to uh, students being able to find jobs. So that's the good news. Um, it is true uh, if you are bilingual, the chance of you finding a job is much faster, and mm-hmm. maybe even your pay will be a little higher as well. Uh, assuming you have two people with the same skills, um, uh, being able to speak Japanese will give you an edge when it comes to being hired. You don't have to have Japanese. Okay. Uh, we have a lot of students who also find jobs mm. who don't speak Japanese, but we find definitely that the Japanese-speaking engineers do get hired sooner or faster. And, and the reason is, as much as companies say that you know that is not a necessary skill if that is their primary language then it's just just easier for everybody if they can communicate in that language yes. too especially if maybe there's a misunderstanding mm. um, even today at code chrysalis we have uh, strong english speakers which is their native language and japanese speakers and we use english as a you know main language to yeah. do business but there are times that we will default to Japanese because we feel that we'll have less, you know, misunderstandings or miscommunication. So mm-hmm. it's just another tool in your arsenal yeah. uh, that 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 companies value. So yeah, before we get out of here, uh, I see that you got, you have a new program coming up mm-hmm. uh, this year. Can you talk about that? Yes, we are very excited about this because uh, from day one we've been having uh, have we've, we've had people come up to us and ask. Hey, how can I do this without quitting my job? Because right now it's a very intense three months program, nine to six every day, um, and and it it required people to leave their jobs to you know do the program or have the company give them a sabbatical. Uh, so it took us three month three years, but we finally have now a part time program that people can take. So it's going to take them longer to complete. It's going to be six months total versus three. Uh, but they can continue to work uh, their regular lives and, and and come to night school. It's just two, two weekday nights okay. and one Saturday. Uh, but this will go on for six months. And it's the same curriculum, same kind of outcomes that we are aiming for. Uh, and... Uh, so we, we we feel we are finally able to answer, uh, give the, give everybody what they wanted uh, as a program. Uh, the first one starts in April, which is only English, uh, but there'll be a Japanese version also starting in June. Yeah. And you guys are uh, operating virtually and in. Are you still in person to? With uh, no, um, all in virtual. I, uh, given the times, mm-hmm. we had to uh, take all our programs remote. Okay. So uh, we have. The school open for students who want to come into a physical location and and work with each other. Uh, staff come in, uh, student facing staff come in, uh, students come in, and that's an option. But but the way they consume the program now is through remote. Um, we've gone back and forth as the uh, you know um, uh, as the government, Tokyo government especially, have yeah. treated uh, the COVID. Uh, guidelines, but yeah. uh, but for now, yes, it is a, a remote first okay. program. All right, man, I appreciate you for coming through. 
and um, I wish you all the best and uh, stay in touch. And yeah, before we get out of here, just uh, do your social media plugs. How how can people find Cold Crystalis out there? Sure. Um, yeah. Thanks. Thanks again for having me. Mm. Um, I think I want to leverage this opportunity to uh, not plug Code Chrysalis, okay. but just tell people that coding, no matter where you go to get uh, learn coding, uh, is a is a skill that you should think about investing some time in. Uh, I I was a salary mom myself uh, until I realized I really want to learn how to code. And I was uh, 43 when I made that decision. Wow. Yeah. And, Inspiring. Uh, and, and, but it opened so many doors for me and, and made me want to go down this path of being an entrepreneur and mm. starting this school. Um, so uh, irrespective of what you're doing uh, right now mm. professionally, uh, you know, do it as a hobby, do it as a pastime. Uh, if you do it long enough and you know leisurely, you still gain a lot of skills mm. uh, that one makes you think uh, very logically. Uh, Steve Jobs uh, said, "Everybody in this country, me in the U.S., uh, should learn how to code because it makes you think logically. Because wow. a machine is so logical, you have to think very logically before you write instructions for it. So there's a lot of benefits of learning how to program." Uh, so whether it's uh, uh, some of these online programs or uh, Code Chrysalis or any other school, uh, definitely take a look, get take some uh, interest and 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 uh, start start uh, studying because uh, it will challenge your brain in ways that you haven't challenged yourself in a long time for mm. some people, and mm. I think you will find that interesting and and exciting. Thank you, thank you so much, Connie. You can follow. Tokyo Speaks on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can listen to episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Uh, just Google Tokyo Speaks, right? Um, and you'll be on your way. All right? TokyoSpeaks.com as well. Thank you, Connie, once again. And see you next episode. <laughs>